realize what we've found. It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. And welcome back, everybody. It's the podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got Teabag, a.k.a. Adam Narlock, in the house tonight. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening, if you are or not. And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Greetings, Earthlings. And to be quite frank with you guys, um, I'm pretty sure that we're living in a simulation. And that's exactly what we're getting into here in episode 92. Maybe you're familiar with the uh, simulation theory, maybe you're not, but uh, go ahead and break it down for him, bud. Yes, welcome to the simulation. Now, this one's been a long time coming, and I got to say, this is a disclaimer up top. The research for this one drove me just about as crazy, if not more so, than for our AI episode way back when. Mm. Mm. And honestly, you know, some of the research goes hand in hand with that episode. Uh, So only continue listening if you're ready to have your mind blown and your face melted off because this one will do just that. Uh, But I will say, as deep as this one goes, as many compelling arguments as you can find, ultimately, uh, you just find yourself going in circles all day with this theory, this hypothesis, this argument, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, It's essentially a thought experiment, right? Yeah, and this kind of puts it more in the realm of uh, more in the realm of philosophy. Definitely, um, but because I feel like a lot of people who talk about this, they kind of see it as like cold hard science. Like, look at any clickbait article that's like, "We are living in a simulation." It's all talking about like the science behind it, uh, and you know, some of that does come into play, as we'll see. There are scientific principles, physical laws that seem to fall in line with the theory. It's very scientific. Um, we won't yeah, get into that. Oh, we will get into it. <laughs> it is will. very scientific. <laughs> and I do Later subscribe. Later in the outline, of course. Yeah, and I do subscribe to the uh, Philip K. Dick idea that like philosophy, science fiction, and religion are kind of deeply connected. You heard it here first, guys. Ryan subscribes to Dick. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, look at the topics we get into. How many times has religion and philosophy come up? Pretty much every single damn time. Yeah, and you know, there's something going on here. So maybe we'll try to connect the dots and we'll expose your precious little reality for the full-on simulation that it is. Now, bear in mind, uh, we are not scientists. We aren't uh, physicists. Yet. We aren't even good at math, I'd say. No, we are not. Definitely not me and Adam. Now, now with this episode, I have tried to set it up like the first half of our time travel episode, if you recollect. Um, So, you know, we'll give you a breakdown on the theory itself, its history, get into some supporting arguments, some opposing arguments, some cold hard science that could apply and possibly explain the mind bending theory. Now, you have been warned. Proceed with caution as we pop a fucking red pill and dive headfirst into the simulation. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Um, So do we play the clip right here, obviously? Yes. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. If you wish to take the blue pill, you will be free to go about your day. Please press pause on your device now. Red pill options. Please remain listening. 
You are now entering the simulation. Welcome to the ride, boys. Buckle up. Let's go down this fucking rabbit hole. So you're still here. That means you chose the red pill. Now let's get into this thing. So let's just define this one. For the sake of today's episode, we'll go ahead and define the simulation theory or simulation hypothesis as the proposition that Earth, along with the rest of the universe, all of reality could in fact be some type of artificial simulation, not far off from a computer simulation. Now, what do you guys know about this one? If anything, what do you remember hearing? Uh, first exposures, what do we got? Now, I don't think we ever like learned about this in school. I don't remember covering it in any college courses. Um, I think my earliest exposure probably would have been like the Tron episode. Check that one out if you haven't already. I feel like we might have like dabbled. Yeah, briefly. I feel like maybe we did. Um, I am not sure though. That was many moons ago. So basically, if this one's piquing your interest, go ahead and check out the Tron episode, the AI episode, or what was the other one? Maybe even Star Fox with like the cave allegory. Did you take any uh, philosophy classes in school? I took one, but I skipped it most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. I took two because I thought the first one I took was pretty dope, actually. Okay, and so what do you know about philosophy or uh, simulation theory that like... Well, we didn't really learn anything about simulation theory, unfortunately, but we did read some Descartes, as we'll get to <laughs> later in the outline. Okay. Uh, so then you had, was it same as Adam, Tron, um, no prior knowledge? I think the first time that I actually started looking into it was that uh, that first time that Elon Musk was on the Joe yes. Rogan mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. and they started talking about it, and I was like, what the fuck? And then I started looking it up, and I saw like... Neil deGrasse Tyson has talked about it. I mean, people even before him were talking about it. It's well, actually yes. uh, yeah, it's very uh, scientific, very intriguing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's no secret. Uh, versions of this hypothesis are constantly seen as a trope in science fiction. You know, they appear as the cent- This appears as the central plot device in many books, comics, and films. Uh, some examples, and this is not all. This is just a few right off the bat. Thinking of. Uh, Brazil, Cabin in the Woods, Dark City, which is actually a fucking great movie, um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Inception, Lawnmower Man, another classic. Oh, yeah. uh, they Live, as you said, um, Tron, Ready Player One, which we also did an episode on, and The Truman Show. Is that Does that count, would you say? Truman Show? Because it's simulated for him. I mean, the it's, world they created. I would say it's yeah. like an extension of it. Yeah. Okay. Now, and then like TV, you got Westworld, Black Mirror. I think there's a Twilight Zone episode. Um, and I was thinking this maybe uh, no spoilers intended. Um, WandaVision. Mm. Can we go back for a second? Brazil, the country. Uh, no, that's a movie, an old sci-fi movie. Just it's the country uh, of Brazil. It's all a. Uh, <laughs> it's just a simulation. <laughs> it's, a, it's an old sci-fi movie. It's fucking crazy. Check it out. Um, but yeah, uh, now, what are some of your guys' personal favorite simulated reality movies or shows? Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind is definitely that episode of Rick and Morty where he has the world that's powering okay, his uh, ship. Ooh, yeah. And then when they go to that world, they realize that world has created a world Similar in itself. Thing, yes. Yeah. And it just keeps going and going. Turtles all the way down. Yeah, baby. Now, see, this one got me thinking all day. I'm out delivering mail. 
Not so much shows, but what about video games? Yeah, I mean, I guess that too. Did you have any that come to mind? I mean, I like Sims, but that's a little on the nose. This like this one blew my mind because I'm like, dude, what if every video game I've ever played, that's like the reality for the, you know what I'm saying? Is this not the time to have this this conversation? Should this be later in the outline? No, we can get into it a little later. And holy shit, I just got massive deja vu, which as we'll see, it could be a glitch in the matrix. Have we talked about this before? We have not. Okay, but Sims. Um, so you're saying like, what if every avatar in the Sims is like a sentient conscious being? Right, and we're we're the ones doing the simulation theory right there, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, okay. So Sims... But that's their reality. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. So Sims, your favorite video game, would you say? Because you could argue that like all <laughs> video games are simulated reality, technically. Well, Every time you play Madden. Yeah, that's that's like a real... Those guys think they're playing a real football game, but it's just us douchebags controlling them. And so that's where you get the like uh, 2020 Kansas City Chiefs champion shirts that you see in like Africa is because of those alternate realities. <laughs> those simulated... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those simulated games. Um, I got to say, personal favorites, a couple of mine, I got... Um, now, this is a book. I have no mouth and I must scream. It's really a novella. Very short book. Very freaky, very creepy. Um, check that we out. We talked about that before, didn't we? Yeah, I think we did on AI, maybe. Um, mm. And this one I was watching lately, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, the episode Ship in a Bottle, where it's like the holodeck Sitting tricks them, and then he makes the whole thing a simulation. Did I say message? I said shit, right? <laughs> I, know, I was just kidding. Um, and then... <laughs> and then they like trick the simulation with the simulation and then Picard in the end, he he says, you know, perhaps it's just a simulation. This is a simulation playing out in a box on someone's desk. The TV super fucking meta. <sighs> and then um another classic, we can remember it for you wholesale, which is uh the story by Philip K. Dick, and this was the basis for Total Recall. Uh, and basically what I found is this is a theme in a lot of Philip K. Dick's work, not necessarily simulation theory, but the idea of like, what is reality? And we'll get into a little of that on this episode because snap back to reality. I mean, PKD was saying this shit in 1977, but it really didn't pick up until after the coup de gras, the one that everyone's heard of probably exposed a lot of people to the idea. And that is the 1999 film, the matrix fun fact. That's the first rated R movie I was allowed to see. There you go. Uh, depicting a world in which artificially intelligent robots have enslaved humanity within a simulation. Uh, so jumping right in, uh, the basic premise of the modern take on this theory is, and this kind of goes hand in hand with our AI episode, Um so we look at technology from half a century ago, something like Pong. This was cutting edge. You know, this was a truly an amazing achievement. Here's some clever, clever guy took a bunch of switches, ran electricity through them in such a way that you could interact with an environment on the screen. Now, fast forward a bit. We start getting eight bit games like Pac-Man, Super Mario, uh, a lot of those old like side scroller games, uh, which look like squares now. But at the time, they were amazing. Cutting edge, you know. It's me, Mario. (laughs) Stereotypical as well. Uh, Now, today we got VR, and it's getting better and better. It's arguably close to simulating the effects of reality. Especially in porn. Yes. Now, (laughs) if you you assume any rate of progress, these will eventually be indistinguishable from reality. 
Mm. Now, all of that has happened within a half a century. Now, the human race been around for some 200,000 years uh, with hardly Allegedly. with hardly any advancement in the, until the last 10,000 years. Uh, you know, we didn't even know what electricity was until a few hundred years ago. Uh, so this trend continues. Technology is not just advancing, but the pace of achievement is accelerating. Remember this from our AI episode? It's like the... Uh, it's like the rate of progress or something like that, and the curve goes shoots like really high up. Remember we talked about this? Because like the better you get at technology, the faster it can advance. Um, I mean, like, can you even imagine living life before the two thousands, before the internet? Yes, I can. Well, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know that, but I'm saying like, it, you think of that, and it's like, what the fuck? We were living like cavemen. Probably would have been a lot cooler if we did. <laughs> now, okay, well, take that into consideration. What do you think the next 10 years will hold? The next 100? The next 1,000 years? Probably everyone will be dead by then. It will be a for real Matrix type deal in a 1,000 years. Well, you're saying two different things there. Is everybody going to be dead or is it going to be the Matrix? I mean, they might as well be dead if they're just sucked to a bunch of tubes. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Well, living in an artificial womb plugged up, living a fucking dream world. Well, here we go. Zeros and ones. Okay. What's your prediction, Adam, for next 10, 100,000 years? What do you got? We're going to end up like Wally, dude. <laughs> okay. So, so will there be a point where we are so technologically advanced that we can run a computer? that can simulate an entire universe down to the conscious experience of a human being. And given this continued acceleration of technological advancements, who's to say this hasn't happened before? That's well, the argument. If you believe the things that Elon Musk is working on, what is the AI thing that he's working on right now? Oh, the Neuronet thing yeah. where you like plug it into your brain? Yeah, you plug your brain. After your body dies, you plug your brain, upload it to a robot. Well, I, I think the Neuronet isn't after you die. It's just like basically making your phone an extension of your brain. So you don't have to hold a phone. You can just... No, like, but he was saying the ultimate plan is so that like once your body shuts down, all that stuff is downloaded, like how you would download a file onto your desktop. So all your memories are like files on a desktop and then you just plug that bad boy into a robot and keep living your life. Okay, so there you go. Now, how if that is the case, how could we possibly determine if we are real or merely a sufficiently advanced computer program in a sufficiently advanced computer uh, with pretty much infinite computing power? In short, the whole argument is basically our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren will probably have the computing power needed to run evolutionary simulations of humanity and how would you know that you were not currently a part of that simulation just ponder that for a second now meditating right now now what are our thoughts there now see that's what had me thinking all well this whole segment right here you like you said 50 years ago we're playing pong you know 100 years ago we whenever electricity was invented <laughs> invented discovered discovered whatever what what took 10,000 years for that to get figured out you know did these aliens or supreme beings or whoever's running our theory get bored and go all right we got to give these guys some cheat codes yeah well yeah. some people would say that because we talked about on our roswell episode like we didn't have a lot of this tech until then mm -hmm. um and a lot of people you know hold the theory like the uh bob lazar that 
Um, you know, the aliens kind of, we reverse engineered this tech and that's how we started getting it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that all goes into the simulation. Like if we're, so if we're saying like, yes, we are going to be this advanced, how do we know that this hasn't already happened and we're just in a simulation run by a bigger, smarter, more intelligent, uh, original race or base reality it's called. Mm. Mm. You know, now, well, let me ask you a question, and this is just <laughs> purely hypothetical. Okay. And he's honestly asking. What's like, uh, for just as just an example, like what's uh, a car that you've recently thought about like buying? Tesla. Tesla? Adam? Jeep Cherokee. Okay. Do you ever notice like when you're out on the road, Ryan, this doesn't apply to you because you never drive anywhere? Uh <laughs> Do you ever notice when you're out on the road, like you start seeing more and more Jeep Grand Cherokees? Like once you were, had it in your mind, like, hey, I want to get one of these or no? Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying because that applies to like the synchronicity. So, thing. okay. Are you familiar with the, I think it's called like the Bader Mioff or something? <laughs> You're fucking with no. the Bader Miha. Is that run by a master? <laughs> Sorry, it's the Bader Meinhof. The Bader Meinhof phenomenon. It's like was that discovered by Jack Meinhof? Yeah, no, but it's like once you visualize something enough, you start noticing it in places you didn't notice it before because you're like your mind is like so focused on it. Yeah, but basically the point I'm getting at is. When I was researching this, a lot of the guys that first started talking about simulation theory were computer nerds that were coding all day. And then they're like, oh, when you look deep into the galaxy, you can notice that there's coding in the galaxy. And I, in my head, I was just thinking like, okay, what if these guys spend – because like coding is hard as fuck unless you are yeah. have been doing it forever – but when you have been doing it forever, all you see is computer code all day long, all night long, however long you're working on it. So it, would it be a stretch to think maybe these guys that started seeing that in other places were just like had it on the brain so much? Maybe they weren't really. Well, no, we'll get into the coding thing because I do have a whole breakdown. I looked really deeply into that. Um, I was just trying to like kind of, you know, do but, my thing and play devil's advocate. Like maybe. Yeah, yeah. These no, I get it. Yeah. But there is a whole thing. Things, you know? There's like a whole philosophy on like consciousness. Like if the world is fully created out of consciousness, like Plato thought a lot about this, then like those little synchronicities you're seeing, like like you ever like think about a friend that you haven't talked to in forever and then they call you that day? Yeah, that's like happened, it's, I guess. It's like weird shit like that. Or like what I was even thinking of, and let me know what you guys think about this. Like, um, why can we not remember being babies? Like, do you guys, what's your first like memory? Damn. Like what? Like I get that. Like, you know, what is it? Like, what is it? Honestly, is it your mind doesn't know how to remember things, but what, like, that's not, that doesn't make really but much sense. Yeah? I think it's like when your brain is fully developed enough to a point where you can actually like start. Okay. So it's the development of because, the brain. Because okay, as you're like a sense. baby, you're still developing. You know what I mean? Like your brain's not fully developed. Your bones aren't even fully developed when you're like a baby. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, some people like there's that one guy that apparently could remember all the way back till he was like one years old. But I mean, like uh, most people go through now like, that's awesome. a, a bunch of shit and you <laughs> can only have room to remember so much stuff. You know what I mean? Well, do you? Your mind is infinite, literally. Mm. Is it though? I think well, so. Well, what's your first memory? 
like my first memory. Uh, like if you th- really think back all as far back as you can go. You know that picture of me uh, dressed up like Robin Hood? This was around the same time I also wore the uh, Superman suit every day. Yes. It's like something like that. I'm running out on the back deck and I have a little plastic knife I'm playing with. Okay. It's like one of my first memories. How old were you? I don't know. Like I, four I, maybe? Gotta be four, yeah. Because the first, the if I really try, like the only thing I remember is like going to the see you in the hospital the day you were born. That's you like, remember that? Yeah. You son of a bitch. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was like a little over three years old. All right. So maybe then. I, but I mean, from then, I don't know what the next thing that I can. Okay. Well, on. yeah. You just debunked that with uh, your brain still developing. I really didn't think about that. I was thinking maybe <laughs> that could play into like simulation. You know, we're being turned on. Uh, um, now, okay. All right. Let's get into the origins because, you know, there's a long philosophical scientific history to the underlying thesis that reality is an illusion. Now, the whole idea of like what reality is or questioning our existence has deep roots in Western and Eastern philosophy. Uh, You know, it's like we said, Plato's cave allegory, which we know from our Star Fox episode. Uh, This is also seen in Shang Shao's butterfly dream. Uh, now, this guy was basically a Chinese philosopher from 4th century BC. Uh, now, he wrote in his book titled On the Equality of Things, quote, Once, Shang Shao dreamed he was a butterfly, a butterfly flitting and fluttering about, zip-zorping across the universe, happy with himself and doing as he pleased. He didn't know that he was Shang Shao. Suddenly, he woke up and there he was solid and unmistakable Shang Shao. But he didn't know if he was Shang Shao who had dreamt he was a butterfly or a butterfly dreaming that he was Shang Shao. Between Shang Shao and the butterfly, there must be some distinction. This is called the transformation of things, a metamorphosis. So think about that. Now that essentially spawned the dream argument, which is the position that the act of dreaming provides evidence that the senses we trust to distinguish reality from illusion should not be fully trusted. Therefore, any state that is dependent on our senses should at the very least be carefully examined and rigorously tested to to determine whether, in fact, it is reality. Now, we also see this in the Hindu philosophy of Maya, which is, quote, the powerful force that creates the cosmic illusion that the phenomenal world is real. Uh, The French philosopher René Descartes once said, it is possible that I am dreaming right now and that all of my perceptions are false. Now, he also came up with the evil demon hypothesis, which is that basically like how can you prove that an evil demon isn't just manipulating you into believing and sensing everything around you and like making your reality what it is? Um So it's no secret, you know, the nature of reality has been pondered by philosophers for a millennia. Now, although these philosophers of old, like Plato and Descartes, were probably not thinking about the matrix or computer simulations, the theories that these guys came up with were essentially their iterations of the simulation theory, yeah? Mm. You know, uh, now these two ideas play hand in hand. These two philosophical ideas play hand in hand with what we will talk about today and are what we'll call materialism or Cartesian dualism. And then we also have idealism. Now, Descartes, he thinks 
We are living in a material world and I am a material girl <laughs> or boy. You know, uh, he came up with, I think, therefore I am. You know, even if you doubt everything, including your senses, you always know with absolute certainty that you exist as long as you can think about whether you exist or not. Um, so it, he had the idea of like dualism, like he doesn't doubt that the independent existence of the material world outside of consciousness, uh, you know, and he accepts that this material world is given in sense perception. So he thinks, you know, consciousness, material world, they exist separate from each other. Uh, now Plato is firmly on the side of idealism or the belief that everything is spawned from consciousness. You know, he had his theory of forms or doctrine of ideas. This holds that ideals encapsulate the true essential nature of things in a way that physical form cannot. It's, it's really massively complex, but basically what it boils down to is that these ideas or forms are the non-physical essence of all things and that objects and matter in the physical world are merely imitations of these ideas. Now, are we tracking here? Kind of. We lost Adam. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm Descartes up here. I'm trying to get the gears going. Like, okay, so if I say, yeah, exactly, I'm thinking. So therefore, I'm thinking. <laughs> if I have, if I say I have an apple in my hand, I because I say it's an apple, it's an apple, but it's not. Now, is this? Are you going with dark Descartes or Plato? Whatever you want it to be made of. <laughs> well, no, no, it's like uh, I don't know if you're understanding, okay? And and honestly, I'm barely understanding at this point, and we haven't even gotten deep into the simulation. <laughs> like, like, it's just these two ideas. Like Descartes thinks that the material world absolutely exists separate from consciousness, but Plato thinks that like the material world is from your consciousness. It's okay. like all, all right, interwoven, all right. like one thing. You know? That may all right. That makes sense. Does that make sense? Um, I like the uh, separate idea better, TBH. Okay. Well, we are going to shatter that idea, buddy. Um, and you're, you're on the side of Einstein. Einstein was firmly on the side of like materialism. Um, so, you know, we've got idealism and materialism or Cartesian dualism. Now, fast forward to about 1977. And we get a one Philip K. Dick. Now, he is obsessed with the philosophical ideas, uh, pondering the nature of reality. And, and we said, you know, he believed a deep connection between sci-fi, philosophy, and religion, as this is evident in his many works. Now, in 1977, he gave a speech known as the Met's Speech. Um, At the Met Gala? <laughs> this is not the Met. And he said, one day, Tim Tebow was going to play for this team. No, no, no. This is Met's with a Z. Uh, now, now he said we in this speech, he said we are in a computer simulated reality and the only clues we have are when small fragment fragments of our own reality are altered. Now, Dick goes on to describe some visions he had in 1974 following a dental surgery and he jotted all of this stuff down in his journals. This was later published as the exegesis. I think we had this discussion when we were doing, I think I thought we came up with exegesis. Exegesis, exegesis of Philip K. Dick, 
And it also pops up in his books, Valus and the Divine Invasion. We just Uh, call it T-E-P-K-D for short. (laughs) Yeah. Now, this is known as the 2374 visions. Uh, Now, because of these visions, you know, Dick went on to believe that, quote, some of my fictional works were literally true. Now, he cites the man in the high castle, which is the Axis powers had really won World War II. And a really great series on Amazon Prime, if you can watch it. I've been watching it with the old man. Yeah, okay. So there you go. You'll, you'll, you'll fall in line right with this stuff. And also, Flow My Tears, the policeman said, which is about a futuristic uh, U.S. police state. Which we currently live in. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> oh, now, he claimed that both novels were based on fragmentary residual memories of such a horrid slave state world. Uh, he claims to remember not past lives, but a, quote, different, very different present life. So for him, it's as if like all of these were occurring simultaneously and he sort of hopped around, was getting memories from these like all at the same time, kind of like uh, Slaughterhouse-Five, if you've ever read that. Yes. Or just like, it's just like Johnny Tsunami's grandpa in Man in the High Castle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, now... In this speech, Dick also talks about the true nature of religious experiences. And I got to thinking, you know, religion as a whole, uh, you know, like you think about when people have like profound religious experiences, near death experiences, out of body experiences, reincarnation. Is this all some sort of glitch in the code? Like, let's say our, our universe is a simulation. Could it be that these people are being led in on the fabric of reality and they have no explanation for it other than religion? Well, let's just say we fix the glitch. (laughs) So he will not receive a paycheck. Um, You know, but no, I mean, mean, let's get serious here, guys. Uh, These religious experiences, these are often like deeply moving, life-altering experiences. I assume this would be the case if the veil was removed from your reality and you had to like rationalize it somehow, yeah? Well, if everything is a simulation, as he's saying, then would reincarnation basically just be like a hard reset? Yeah, see, that's what I was thinking, and I have it down in our theories on the theories. Like, press a button, and it's like, whoop. Yeah, or like... like, When you turn back on, you're like... Yeah, or you kind of remember, but you're not supposed to, and that's like the glitch. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about the whole religious experiences, though? Well, just to go back to what you were saying before... I was going to say not to uh, go off on a tangent, but if you subscribe to the idea of parallel universe, then that what he was saying mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. Like where he he's like seeing different things from different yeah. states. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, because those are like split realities where maybe this happened and, and he's yeah. living all of them. Yeah. Maybe he hit a glitch in his matrix. No, nah, just tying it all. I was thinking about this earlier today too, tying it back to video games like – reincarnation man what if it is like rob said someone just oh hit the reset button okay here you go you're playing a new game now all right and and then and this got me even thinking like when you were a little kid like maybe you're sitting in church with your parents or something when something you guys thought of like heaven what did you think of like well, when you thought of heaven as a kid not now like as a kid <laughs> what did you think of like fucking clouds some long-haired <laughs> old dude god okay but like when you got like when you got there what like what did you do like did you ever think like what it would be like to go and like walk around like you're just walking around in clouds just you and god (laughs) 
Or like your family that's already passed on. Okay. Or like your friends, your homies, whoever's up there that you think is up there. Okay. So you're just for, like hanging out with your loved ones, basically. Okay. So for you, it's like this is the end. You like snap your fingers and the Backstreet Boys come out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about how about you, T-Bag? Yeah, I think I was heavily influenced by The Simpsons where when Homer Simpson dies, you're just up there hanging out with God, chilling, strolling down the street, playing golf, listening to harp music. Okay. Wow. Colonel Sanders is feeding you chicken. Okay. Unlimited so, donuts. All right. Now, I thought, and, le- and let me know if you guys are tracking here, because did you ever hear like when you die and you go to heaven, like... Um, Did you ever hear when you die, fuck it, I want to go to hell? No, no, no. Like, this is shit, it ain't hard to fucking tell. Okay, so you're just going to not let me get to my <laughs> thoughts of heaven. Um, like, did you ever think, or did you ever hear, like, when you die and go to heaven, you feel the pain that you cause, like, everyone? Oh, God, I Isn't hope Isn't that not. in a movie? I don't know, but I, any for some reason, I have a memory of me hearing that as a kid, and I thought of heaven as, like, you, uh, it's like you're saying, you go up into the clouds somewhere at the edge of the universe and you're looking down and you can like see everything and just know everything and you can see like a replay of your life, basically like on a TV. Truman Show. Mm. Well, I mean, not, not necessarily, <laughs> no. But is that like, so let's say you're there, you're at the pearly gates and you can watch these lives. Would that not be like a debrief on your simulation? Ooh, yeah, like of. a recap? Yeah. Like at the end of a laser tag game? Well, <laughs> yeah. Here's where you fucked up, bud. <laughs> yeah. Um, now back to Philip K. Dick for a minute. I mean, these are just some of my thoughts, and I wanted to see what you guys had on them. But um, back to Philip K. Dick. So he kind of concluded that reality is that which when you stop believing in it, it doesn't go away. Oh, wow. Now, thoughts on Philip K. Dick and his whole ideals. I mean, do we have anything else? Because I, I would say, like, he was a man before his time. And we should probably do, like, a reboot on a Philip K. Dick episode, so specifically on, like, Valus and his visions, because that shit is all fucking crazy. Crazy for that one. Tie that in with our LSD episode. Tie one <laughs> yeah. off. Um, but did you guys have any more thoughts on kind of his ideas and, like, what is reality and shit like that? I mean, I'm going to be honest. This guy has some pretty crazy theories. Yeah, and this was like, um, you know, back in the 70s. Spewing out some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Now, so he's given this speech back in the 70s. He's writing all his novels, which if you haven't, you know, read some of his work. Um, Now, The Matrix comes along in 1999, and I think this film did a lot to popularize the notion of simulated realities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Now, I mean, that, you know, it's like we said, that whole line on red pill, blue pill, that's become part of our lexicon. You know, red pilling someone has become synonymous with like opening their eyes to hidden knowledge. Now, what you're going to do is go ahead and take the red pill. (laughs) Isn't a red pill like a whole like men going their own way kind of thing? What the fuck are you talking about? Yo, I swear I've seen maybe men going their own way. I feel like I've seen. Yes, man. Like you got to take the red pill. Don't become a sucker to society. Don't. Did don't you know, get man. drugged at a gay nightclub? <laughs> <laughs> and take a red pill from some guy? <laughs> I think it was a purple pill. <laughs> <laughs> it's men going their own way. Um, 
<laughs> no, it's just like red pilling. It's going to become like a conspiracy thing. Like it's basically you know? like opening your eyes to uh, what's really going on behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, the pigeons aren't real. The frogs are turning gay. It's and the blue pill is Viagra. Got to go. Yeah. Um, now, now let's get into like the modern take because you know we got all this stuff. We got ph- philosophy. We got Philip K. Dick. We got the Matrix coming out. Now, the modern take or current form of simulation theory can be attributed to Nick. Bostrom. Um, so we'll spend a little time looking at his premise and theory and try to wrap our heads around this because Nick Bostrom of the University of Oxford, he writes a paper about the simulation argument in 2003, and this has been cited as the most influential statistical-based analysis of the argument. And since its publication, philosophers, physicists, technologists, and famous comedians have grappled with the idea of our reality being a simulation. Now, in this paper, Bostrom proposed a trilemma that he called the simulation argument. Now, his trilemma argues that one of three unlikely seeming propositions is almost certainly true. One being the fraction of humanity level civilizations that reach a post-human stage is very close to zero. So this means like humans always go extinct before reaching a simulation capacity stage. Now, this is kind of what you were saying. We'll be dead in 100 years, you know? I said 1,000. Okay, 1,000 years. <laughs> uh, so maybe we go extinct before we're even able to reach that level of simulation. Well, I'm now, just saying, well, let's, oh, oh, let's get through the argument. Now, two, the fraction of post-human civilizations that are interested in running simulations of their evolutionary history or variations of it is very close to zero. So this is basically, even if humans make it to that stage, they won't even be interested in simulating their ancestral past. Douchebags. And number three, which is the fraction of all people with our kind of experiences that are living in a simulation is very close to one. So... Bostrom states that he personally sees no strong argument as to which of the three trilemma propositions is the true one. And his whole premise, this is like basically what we were talking about. Like uh, he's saying many sci-fi works as well as some forecasts by technologists and futurists. um, They predict that enormous amounts of computing power will be available in the future. So let's for a moment say that these predictions are correct then one thing that later generations might do um, with these super, super powerful computers, run a detailed simulation of their ancestors. And because these computers would be so powerful, they could run many, many of these simulations um, and suppose that these simulated people are conscious, like we were talking about earlier in The Sims. This could be the case that a majority of minds like ours do not belong to the original race or base reality, but rather people simulated by the advanced descendants of an original race. So this is like base reality. You know, he says, if we're living in a simulation, then the cosmos that we're observing is just a tiny piece of the totality of physical existence. You know, while the world we see is in some sense real, it is not located at the fundamental level of reality. So are we, are we tracking there? And, and what are our thoughts on his whole argument and premise? I'm going to go number one. Okay, so you're going to say guns. we get extinct before we're even able to reach that computing power? Well, I'm saying like what I, what I was going to say, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but 
it's like, okay, we're already in 2020. Look how many screens are just in this room with you and me. There's like 10 screens almost. So a hundred years from now, like, I mean, this year has been a perfect example. Like everyone's working from home, doing Zoom meetings. After that, no one's going to want to fucking go back to work. No one's going to want to leave. Everyone's going to be want to be attached to their screen. And the more and more you can like influence people to just be in front of a screen all day, the more like attached to that, to that like false reality people are going to get is what I'm saying. Okay. But you could also so argue that maybe being in working from home, being in these screens all day is going to make people reject that and say, no, we got to get back out. We got to get dirty. We got to go camping. we got to get well, back to nature. I mean, there are definitely people that are doing that, but I'm saying an overwhelming amount of people are just lazy and want to like stick to that. It's just, I, I think uh, uh, even a hundred years from now, everything's going to be so like not fake, but just so like VR alternate reality. Okay. Like, so you're going off to Philip K. Dick. It's going to be it's like fucking fake Blade Runner type shit. Yeah, you know fake what I mean? people selling fake stuff and fake realities to more fake people. Yeah, everyone's going to okay. be hawking Bitcoin. Okay, so you're just saying that maybe sitting in front of their fucking VR. And this just leads to everybody dying? Well, it's going to be like, I'm imagining like more of like a Ready Player One type scenario where everyone's just like living this false reality behind like, like living out of a fucking trailer, basically like. Living in a van down by the river. Like (laughs) the world's gone to shit because we just keep fucking destroying everything and not giving a fuck about it. And the people in power just want to make more money way to do that is just keep people at home in front of their screens buying shit they don't need reptilian overlords at their finest boom okay teabag let's kick it over to you what do you got and what one two three what do you think actually a lot of really good points there rob that you had me thinking man and it is just the whole wally thing man the whole world goes to shit and we don't have to do anything we can just stay connected to our devices suckle off the teat of our reptilian overlords as you mentioned (laughs) um i thought that was interesting just like the fact that okay yeah we might be there might be advanced civilizations out there running these simulations and then they just get so bored of playing the game they're just like eh don't want to do it anymore you play the sims the first time i saw it i was like yo this is the craziest game ever and you played a couple times and you're just like meh and what happens if like if that's their reality those sim characters that you created that's their reality you stop playing reality is over yeah, yeah. <clears throat> now, Re- I... Reincarnation, baby. I personally kind of th- fall in line with number two. Like, I feel like if a, if some original race or whatever base reality was that advanced, I feel like we wouldn't even care about... Um, we wouldn't even care about running, like, a computer-simulated reality of our ancestral past. Like, I feel like we'd just be like... Yeah, well, like, like, I feel like if we were to that level... We would be, it would be like more altruistic than that, you know? Well, no, well my, my, the thing I, I was getting at though is like <clears throat> speaking to that point is that we'll be, people will just be so infatuated with their false reality that the idea of doing something like that wouldn't matter to them because they already have like some crazy like bullshit going on in their VR goggles that they don't even like the idea of like, oh, hey, why don't you like, run it back with your ancestors see what that was like they're gonna be like 
now nah, why would I do that when I'm living this like crazy fantasy life over here? Yeah, it's like in Back to the Future 2 when he's playing Wild Gunman and the kids are like, this is a baby's toy. <laughs> like they don't want to, you know what I'm talking about? Like they yeah. don't want to play with it. Um, okay, all right. Got to one of those in the future studio. Okay, so let's go to proponents of Bostrom's theory. Now, our boy Elon Musk, you know, he said, quote, if you assume any rate of improvement at all, games will eventually be indistinguishable from reality, and it's most likely we are in a simulation. Now, granted, you know, Elon is not a physicist, he's not a philosopher, but he's an intelligent mind, and he, I feel like he's kind of a bit of a troll, yeah? Kind of. Dogecoin, Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah, like that's a perfect example with the stocks. Like Elon is very in tune with like the internet subculture and and like so I feel like he's kind of um what do you call it? Bait and switching the whole like simulation theory thing. Okay. You know? Guy was a hell of an athlete for that one sports team. Just can't think of it right now. <laughs> now, even astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson said in an NBC News interview that he feels the hypothesis is correct, given, quote, better than 50-50 odds that we are in a simulation. And he added that he wished he could summon a strong argument against it, but he cannot find one. Now, also, I was... As I was like looking up, because you see all these like famous scientists and stuff that are proponents of the theory, and it's like they would be more inclined to believe simulation theory because what are the chances of being an Elon Musk or, you know, a Neil deGrasse Tyson or like one of these super famous people, you know? Mm. Like you would think it's more likely that you're in a simulation because you're not just like an average Joe, yeah? Yeah, but what if those guys just think they're average Joes? Okay, fair point. But I mean, I, I think their bank accounts would argue otherwise. What if they, no, but what if they just think, oh, everybody's got the same reality, the same bank account that I do? I, understand I for don't you think I, that Elon They Musk might, though. They might be so out of touch with what we perceive to be real. Okay. I mean, I think Elon Musk is just on a different level altogether, man. Okay. Now, now going back to Neil for a second, um, on his podcast, Star Talk Radio, he was saying that like the simulation world mo most likely created um, perceptions of reality on demand rather than stimulate simulate all of reality all the time. So it's like a video game, you know. It's like optimized to render only the parts you're playing. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, mm. And and it's like maybe that's why we can't travel faster than light speed because if we could. We'd be able to get to another galaxy before it was even able to be programmed. Does that make sense? Could hit the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, there's basically these limits put in by the programmers, and this is essentially like the laws of physics, let's say. So you just got to find that cheat code, baby. Exactly. Got to find that cheat code, and that's what science or is looking for. Or get the software updates. Yeah, get the cheat codes, get the software DLC. updates. DLC. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's get into some counter arguments because physicist Marcelo Gleiser, he objects the notion that these intelligences would have a reason to run simulated universe saying being so advanced, they would have collected enough knowledge about their past to have little interest in this kind of simulation. And this is what I was saying. Like I agree with, you know, 
Now he says they might have like virtual reality museums where you could go and experience the lives of like your ancestors, like a, a caveman or something like that. But a full fledged resource consuming simulation of an entire universe just sounds like a colossal waste of time to him. That sounds like something like you would have to be like a real nerd about like ancient history. Yeah. And, and, and in 2019 philosopher Preston green, he suggested that it may be best not to find out if we're living in a simulation since if we were found to be true, if it were found to be true, such knowledge might end the simulation. Mm. Now our boy Douglas Adams, you know, we talked about him in, we did an episode on him and um, what was the episode on? Galaxy um, Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide. Guide. Yeah. So our boy Douglas Adams in the restaurant at the end of the universe, he wrote, quote, There is a theory which states that if ever anyone discovers exactly what the universe is and why it is here, it will instantly disappear and be replaced by something even more bizarre and inexplicable. There is another theory which states that this has already happened. So think about that for a second. Now, this whole idea, you know, we've been talking about the idea of, of simulation theory. Is this impossible to test? You know, will this ever be anything more than a thought experiment? Now, Hauman Awadi, uh, he is an expert on computational mathematics at the California Institute of Technology, and I probably said his name wrong, but he claims that if the simulation has infinite computing power, there is no way you're going to see that you're living in a virtual reality because it could compute whatever you want to the degree of realism that you want. So if this thing can be detected, you have to start from the principle that it has limited computational resources. Uh, now think again of video games. Uh, these rely on clever programming to minimize the computation required to construct an entire virtual world. This is, this is like what we were just talking about. It's like the whole tree falls in the forest argument. You know, that part of the game isn't going to be there unless you're playing it. Uh, you know, maybe like, if we are in a simulation, all these other avatars you interact with on a daily basis, are they just like sitting in their room facing the wall when you're not interacting with them? Like Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Waiting a, for you. <laughs> yeah. It's like a reverse, a reverse toy story. Oh, like the toys, um, are all up and running around. And then when Andy comes in, they all just like, it's like a reverse of that, but with everyone in the world. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. Um, now, nuclear physicist Zore Davudi and NYU philosopher David Chalmers, they believe that the chances of us living in a simulation are most likely very low. Even more so, how could you go about proving it? You know, you're not going to get proof we're in a simulation because any evidence would just be simulated. Make sense? Now, astronomer David Kipping of Columbia University, he says that further work on the simulation hypothesis is on thin ice. It's arguably not testable as to whether we live in a simulation or not. And he says, if it's not falsifiable, then can you really claim it's science? And I think like all of these doubts are kind of like Occam's razor. You know, the simplest explanation is usually the right one. So it mm. would be more simpler that we are in base reality and we have seen the events of the world unfold. It's not like 
there's infinite computer simulations and there's some base reality and we're not one of them. Like that's massively complex. Yeah. Yes. Maybe that's what they want us to think. Okay. So the people running, um, okay. So is that what you wanted your Sims game to think you actually thought about this? No, I didn't think that much about it. <laughs> so maybe the, that's what they, these whoever's running our simulation is like. Um, now let's get into some theories on the theory, we'll call it. Um, because there could be examples of the simulation all around us. Uh, these would be known as glitches in the matrix, like deja vu, uh, ghosts or supernatural events, um, the Mandela effect. These could all be direct examples of flaws in the simulation. Uh, it's just like we talked about with religious experiences up top. Yeah. Like there's also the six degrees of separation. Like, you know how you always hear the like, Oh, small world. And you, you don't, you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like what are the odds? Yeah. Is this a flaw in the system? Like there's some sort of cap on the, on the processing power of the matrix or what have you. And so it's like, you're always kind of, it's coming up again and again. Right. What are we thinking there? I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily a glitch in the matrix. Maybe it's just, like you said, only limited uh, capacity. Okay. Um, now, if there is some original race out there running multiple simulations, could those multiple simulations be what we perceive as the multiverse? Mm. You know? Like... This hyper in advanced intelligence, they're running simulations. Maybe they're all on the same computer and boom, that's why we get the multiverse because it's all kind of in the same place. We just like can't get there, but bits and pieces come through, you know, does that make sense? Okay. I'm tracking. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the big bang because you look, you guys are familiar with the big bang, correct? Great television. <laughs> not, not the television <laughs> show. Oh. Um, now, how could everything come from nothing? You know, if the world is a virtual construct, the Big Bang works perfectly. Because mm. think about like a video game. Every, like you have a disc in your hand, there's no video game at all. You put it in, fires up from a zero state. One minute you have a disc, the next minute you're immersed in World of Warcraft or Minecraft or some crazy world. It all starts from a zero state. How can I have some more of nothing? Just like the Big Bang. Does this make sense? Yeah, tracking, tracking. If you believe that. And that, 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 doesn't make, that doesn't blow you guys' mind at all. That actually kind of blew my mind. What about the asteroid theory? You ever hear of that one? Now, what's this? That life as we know it came to Earth from another planet on an asteroid that hit the Earth. So what's that have to do with simulation? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of would debunk it, right? Not if that was in the simulation. Well, that's how the simulation starts with an asteroid. Asteroid crashing. Maybe. The creation of the asteroid. Yeah. Uh, now, yes. economist Robert Robin Hansen, he argues that a self-interested occupant of a high-fidelity simulation could strive to be entertaining and praiseworthy in order to avoid being turned off or being shunned into a non-conscious low fidelity part of the simulation. So this is like what I'm, I'm thinking this could be like reincarnation. Like we were talking about maybe, 
you know, Elon Musk gets up to the level he's at and they, they're like, good for you. Let's keep going. And you know how like with reincarnation, there's like kids that remember like a full past life. And, um, and I think I was reading this one story, like this kid says he was like murdered by somebody with an ax and he like took him to where he was buried and they, they solved like a 20 year old cold case file. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, could it that be like, uh, like we were saying, like maybe he remembers from being in the simulation already and they were like rewrote in the same code for him. And so he has those memories. Either that or reincarnation is real. Because we're in a simulation. Mm, maybe, maybe not. 50-50, baby. <laughs> it's better than 50-50. According like- to scientists. What if the person running the simulation, you know, goes through and quote unquote beats the game and then is like, okay, well, this is boring. I'm going to play it again and make interesting things, more interesting things, more dangerous things, more challenging things happen. Yeah. See, I was thinking about this and I think that would be like two different types of simulations. Yeah. Like one is like we were saying, they're just running a simulation on like their ancestral past. So it's just we're just going to set this aside and let it run and see how it plays out. The other, like, are they actively playing like a game, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Would okay. you like to play a game? Now I was watching this documentary glitch in the matrix, which is basically, it's not that great. It's on Amazon <laughs> prime. You can rent it for like five bucks, but it's really just kind of a bunch Waste of waste of five bucks. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, it's really just like a bunch of computer nerds kind of talking about why they think simulation theory is real. But it did start um, with this point that I wanted to make out here. Um, it could just be simulation theory because that's our current technology. You know, like we can map what we think about the human nervous system by the highest level of technology in the day. Like back in the day, they had aqueducts and they believed in like bloodletting and like your body was made up of these different liquids, you know what I'm talking about? And if they were out of whack, that's why you got sick. Mm, put leeches um, on your body. Yeah. Fast forward to the telegraph and they said, no, it's, it's nerve impulses firing like electrical wires. And then fast forward to today and they say, you know, your brain is like a computer. So, or is your brain actually a computer? Yeah. So the idea that our universe is a computer simulation could just be because we can't conceive what the next tech will be. You know, like we think of simulation, we think, oh, we're on a big computer somewhere. Kind of like going back to what I was saying earlier, where that guy was saying that he sees coding in the universe. Yeah, we'll get there, but he's coding his whole life. But it could be it could be totally different. Like it could be not like we're in a server room somewhere. It could be something that we can't even wrap our heads around. You know, like what do you guys think of that? What's the craziest thing you could think it would be? I think that one that Rob was talking about, where you're just plugging your brain into a machine and you're just a robot. Okay, so maybe we're all like past people that are just dead. Well, not dead, but you're just plugged up to a machine and this is just your, like, this is your quote-unquote reality <clears throat> until you get reset. Okay. But no, I get what you like, as when I was teaching, like, they were like, oh, yeah, we're preparing kids for jobs and technology that hasn't even been invented yet. Well, that's great. How am I supposed to do that? Yeah, what is that <laughs> going to be? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, it's up to you, whatever, you're, uh, whatever you want the reality to be. 
All right. Now, now science, let's get into some actual science that supports the simulation theory, because there does seem to be, as we just talked about, you know, a great deal of thought put into this simulation argument. And there is actually some cold, hard science that seems to support it. Or I'm thinking vice versa. You know, you can use the simulation argument to support this cold, hard science because most of it is like quantum mechanics and particle physics, which is already a mind fuck. <laughs> you know? Not our specialty. <laughs> yeah, not our specialty. Now, now to understand this science, we have to have a bit of a grasp on string theory. Now, are you guys familiar with this at all? Unified string theory? G-string theory? Now, that's unified field theory you're thinking of. Yeah, I know. I um, string theory is a concept that could unify all aspects of physics if proven right. Um, so basically, it's like this. So you're saying there's a chance. We have two sets of rules in our universe right now. There's quantum mechanics, and this is the rules of like really, really, really small stuff, like the size of atoms are smaller. Think the quantum realm like an Ant-Man, you know, the space oh. between space. Um, so we got quantum mechanics. This is a school for ants. And then we got general relativity, uh, which are the rules of really big things like us, uh, planets, asteroids, stars, anything that's affected by gravity. Uh, now, when you use the rules of general relativity in the world of the quantum stuff, crazy unexplainable shit happens. Uh, you know, this shit can't even be understood or explained and vice versa. You use quantum mechanics in the world of really big things. Similar, unexplainable bull dick happens. <laughs> bull dick? <laughs> yeah, it's my, new, it's my new curse word. Now, basically, science just uses quantum mechanics to deal with small stuff and general relativity to deal with big things. Like bull dick. But we don't live in two worlds. We live in one world with both big and and small. So why don't we have one set of rules for everything? Well, this is why science has been looking for a theory of everything or what Einstein called a unified field theory. Um, now, also keep in mind, Einstein couldn't figure this shit out and he spent over 28 years working on it and he passed away before he was able to figure it out. Allegedly. Oh, no, he was not able to figure out unified field theory. Because they didn't want him to. Who? <laughs> the guys running the simulation. Okay. The man behind the curtain. Is pulled, so far the string on old Einstein. Now, string theory is so far our best attempt at making one set of rules for everything. It works at combining quantum mechanics and general relativity without the crazy shit going on. Now, the whole issue with string theory is that it's just that a theory. There's no way to test string theory unless someone smarter than you or I come up with a way to do this. Uh, basically, what my understanding is we'd have to go outside of our universe. And as far as we know, this is not possible. Um, now, string theory says that there aren't just three, but 10 dimensions of space and one of time. Uh, this is what the math says. But until somebody touches another dimension or detects one, it's just math that works, but it's not a proven reality. Are we tracking? Is anything a proven reality? Well, we'll get there. Um, it's like the massively oversimplified version of this is that everything is made of tiny strings and the way they vibrate and join makes up the things we see, fundamental particles like uh, quarks, electrons, 
and other more common ones. Are we tracking? Okay. We're like little fibers. At the very, very quantum level is little tiny fibers. Okay. Okay. Now, this is where we get into the stuff you were talking about, Rob. Computer code found in the universe. So MIT theoretical physicist James Gates, who looks exactly like the rent is too damn high guy. Um, I'm serious. Google, <laughs> Google a picture of this guy, James Gates. He looks exactly like the rent is too damn high guy. Now, while working on his super string theory, he made an odd discovery. He claims to identify have identified what appears to be actual computer code embedded in the equations of string theory that describe the fundamental particles of the universe. See, that's what was freaking me out. Okay, now specifically what he found was Shannon code, which was developed by Claude Shannon in the 1940s. This is basically an error correcting code. Or was it? Well, the code was found in mathematical equations used to describe the universe. So, like, this is misleading. Like, it's not like he took a microscope and looked close and close and close and saw, like, code, you know? It's, he's stating that the mathematical equations which humans created to describe the universe contain similar coding to, that is found on a web bra- browser. Now, humans created both of these things. So it might, it sounds like he's saying that the universe itself has code in it, but that that's really not what he's saying. You know, it's, it's almost like confusing the map for the territory, if that makes sense. Like if you can describe the universe with the same coding rules as the, the computer code, it doesn't mean the universe is a computer. It just means that mapping the, the way that they map them works equally well for both. The interview well, I saw was just a little bit more misleading than that. And was that the like debate that Neil hosted? Yeah. Yeah, see, and that's kind of my... I didn't watch the full thing. So yeah, I did. Fault, I guess. And my deal with that is like, yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson, brilliant astrophysicist, brilliant public speaker, but think about what is his job? His job is similar to that of Bill Nye, where he wants to get kids and people interested in science to make these breakthroughs. So he kind of has to like do it up, do it up, you know, sell it as an interesting point to get people interested. So it's a little bit misleading. Yeah. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. It does make sense. But it's like, like you're saying with the coding thing, like if I'm making a website, you don't see the code. You don't see the man behind the curtain, like Rob said. You see what the, the code tells the screen to project, if you will. And that's like reality. In this, in this, in this situation, right? Like, whatever's being coded i'm not seeing you know like the myspace font make it bigger make it, i'm seeing what that code would result in theory that's yeah. my reality but see i think what the misleading thing is is like the um the like quantum physics like string theory is just mathematical ways to explain the universe it's well, right but what's weird is that like the code found made by this guy in the forties is also being found in this. It's like two totally separate things. So that's where it's like kind of weird, but it is at, at the fundamental level, like both things were invented by humans. Um, so it's not like that insanely crazy. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Coding isn't that code, just equations. Yeah. So, um, let's get into the next theory, which is, uh, holographic principle 
Um, now, this originally came out of research about black holes because physicists were confused about disappearing information within black holes, which is not supposed to happen. Um, now, this led to a theory that the 3D information about a star can be entirely encoded on a 2D surface. Um, and I think this one is much more complex. And this was the only one in here that I, I really like couldn't seem to grasp. I mean, I read countless things, spent a lot of time on explaining like I'm five Reddit and I, I just kind of couldn't wrap my head around it. But this is again, just a theory, but it suggests that volume is not real, but appears due to the information encoded in a cosmological horizon or quote unquote edge of the universe. Um, and it's essentially reality consists of 2D information that we perceive as 3D space. So in other words, like you, you look at a hologram. Let's take Tupac at Coachella, for example. Um, he looked 3D because of the way the light was bouncing off of him. Um, but the Tupac hologram wasn't actually a 3D object. It just kind of behaved like one. Now, this theory puts that the universe might be a similar kind of projection. Our world behaves like it has three dimensions, but what we're actually seeing and experiencing is the way various physical properties interact with a distant 2D surface, that being the edge of the universe. Hmm. So it's like in, instead of making the image look 3D, it makes everything behave like a 3D object. It's, this one is a mind fuck. I really couldn't. Like, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't fucking grasp it. I just keep seeing Matthew McConaughey in the Doritos 3D. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just like that. Um, now, this other one I was looking at was uh, known as the Woo experiment. And guys, this one ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> but, uh, this is like the whole mirror universe. Now, it could be possible that two universes came out of the Big Bang one being an exact mirror of our universe, and that matter of this world is known as mirror matter. Um, now, the mirror particles would be identical to ours with identical forces, but would interact with our world only in the weakest and most fleeting way. So mirror matter would even produce light, but any interaction between the matter of that mirror world and this world would be extremely difficult to detect. Uh, so over the last few years, mirror matter has uh, been brought up as a possible explanation for dark matter, which we definitely don't understand. Um, and if we're going off of this theory, like the bulk of this mirror matter is hidden away uh, in the mirror world where it manifests. And in our world, it only manifests by way of gravity. So does that make sense? I think you kind of have to have a minimal understanding of dark matter because they don't really like know what that is, but they say it makes up like 90% of the universe, you know? Great. So if this is true, this would mean the mirror world is five times bigger than ours. And there is five, cause there's five times as much dark matter as there is regular matter. And this goes off the whole like tiny piece of reality quote from Nick Bostrom. Like, you know how he's saying if we are in a simulation, we're only experiencing a tiny bit of reality. Maybe this fucking mirror matter is what's outside of the simulation. It's a whole other world. But what's even more of a mind fuck I was reading in this article is that the mirror realm would seem to answer many of our current mysteries of the cosmos. But it's not like 
it's not like a perfect mirror image of ourselves existing in another land. It's like a sibling world. And the particles are like, um, would basically be like large scale structures. So it wouldn't be like a fully, I, I don't even know really how to explain it. It's fine. It's a fucking mind fuck. But it's also like these planets and stars made of this mirror matter. They have, it's like everything is flipped. They even have a backwards notion of time. Benjamin Button. Yeah. <laughs> I no, I think it would be more like, uh, have you guys seen Tenet, the new Chris Nolan flick? I have not. It's kind of like that where like he steps in and it's just like everything. Like, it's a mind fuck, dude. Look at look into it. It's fucking crazy. Okay. And this goes off of like theories with comets, um, which Harold Levinson and his colleagues at Southwest Research Institute in Boulder, Colorado, have a theory in regards to comets and why so many disappear before ever passing the sun. Um, now, they speculate that many comets might be made of this mirror matter, um, which gives out no light. And the idea is that they contain only a small amount of ordinary matter, which evaporates after passing the sun or before and leaves an invisible core of mirror matter. Now, because mirror matter goes hand in hand with the observation that our universe is not as symmetric as it should be. Uh, in other words, I was looking into more of this, like electrons and a lot of other elementary particles are in a sense left-handed. Um, so for every known particle, there's actually a particle that interacts in a right-handed way. This is like the mirror matter stuff. Um, so in addition to electrons, quarks, uh, photons of light, the universe contains mirror electrons, mirror quarks, mirror photons, and these combine to make mirror atoms and mirror matter. Now, Australian astrophysicist Dr. Robert Foote claims that mathematics suggests that because we are composed of normal matter, any mirror matter object would be invisible to us, but the objects would possess normal mass and affect the universe around it just like normal matter. So he says, if mirror matter exists, and he believes it does, then there should exist also mirror stars, mirror planets, even mirror life. <sighs> this, this is also like they could explain like weird astronomical sightings. Like we talked about the Tunguska blast of 1908 in Siberia on our Believe Our Ghostbusters episode. Go ahead and check that episode out if you haven't already. Uh, or there was this 20, uh, 2001 meteor that hit Jordan. And I guess, like, everybody saw this fireball in the sky. They saw it break up. And it was observed to break up and hit the ground by around 100 local residents in a village about 55 kilometers from the capital, Amman. Um, now, this Jordan space body, if made of ordinary matter, should have illuminated a much larger part of the Middle East, but they couldn't explain why this didn't happen. So they're thinking like mirror matter could help explain this, which is all a fucking mind fuck. Yeah. Sounds like bull dick to me. So you think it's bull dick? You think these scientists are just spinning nonsense? Yeah. They're just like, eh, I'm kind of bored. Let's uh, just spin something up. Got to keep getting that university money, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you think these scientists just make stuff up and put it out there? I mean, this sounds like bullshit to me. And did you do, so you did the math on this? 
I don't need to. I'm just <laughs> telling you my you opinion. They do, They publish papers with math that calculates all this down to so a T. So just because there's math on it, it's real? I mean, this We're is living a, in a simulation, again, baby. I'm not saying it's real. This is a theory proposed, and it's a strong theory that's gaining traction in the scientific community. Okay. Okay. I mean, hey. Mirror matter, baby. <laughs> so you say bull dick. Bro, I won't even front. The whole time you're talking about this, I'm just thinking of Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past. He holds up a mirror. He goes to this dark world, looks back in the mirror, goes back to the light world. There you go, dude. Hey. Simulation. You think Simulation. this is real? You think there's some <laughs> universe out there that's five times bigger than ours and they can't explain shit about it? I mean, why wouldn't they be able to explain like dark matter and shit? And there's it makes up 90% of our universe? Allegedly. So you think that's fake too? So you think all of science is just fake? Not all of it. So just who the math they know what? Yeah, just this mirror shit. Okay. All right. So again, I'm not that's fully. Just a, again, like you said, it's a theory. Yeah, it's a theory. And again, I don't. I'm not fully. I can't fully comprehend that theory. But Maybe this that's one, why it's bullshit to me because I'm. It's just yeah, going over it my could head. Be, it could be going over your head. It's not his reality. Now, how about this one, guys? Check out this one because this one really blew my mind. And this is our coup de gras here. They and should call it the Mulan theory. <laughs> Wu Tang theory. So this one, this is known as entanglement or non-locality. And I believe Schrodinger's box, uh, Schrodinger's cat, you know, is a way to explain this. Are we familiar with Schrodinger's cat? Very familiar with Schrodinger's box. All right. <laughs> let, uh, explain it to us. TLDL on Schrodinger's box. All right. So... We have this box, and there's a cat inside the box, and he's either dead or alive. But we don't know if he's dead or we don't know if he's alive until we open the box. Yeah, isn't that it? Yep, that's pretty much it. But it's also that he is both alive and dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, that's right. So check this out. Let me know if you guys are tracking. This is known as the double slit experiment. And again, you know, I'm trying to do my best to explain this layman's terms, not good at math. Um, and we don't have pictures. <laughs> this is a podcast. So hopefully you're still with us. Hopefully you're still listening. Now let me pose this question to you gentlemen. What is light? Baby, don't hurt me. No more. That's love. What is light? Oh. Did you really think they were saying what is light? That whole song? No, I'm just messing. I'm messing with you. It's like I, how I was singing the song earlier. So what is light? Uh, I'm not a scientist, so. Isn't it like a ref reflection of, I don't know, man. Isn't there like a crystal and a rainbow? <laughs> like a crystal. Pink Floyd, dark side of the moon, rainbow thing. Yeah, yeah. So what? what would that be then? It's a reflection off of uh, the atmosphere. <laughs> projected of the sky. Light is it waves or particles? What's it made out of? Both. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is both. But so they do this. It is known as the original double slit experiment, and this basically proved that light was waves and not particles. But it is essentially both, and we'll get into it. So you put two slits in a piece of paper. You shine some light through it, and on the wall behind the paper, you get what is known as an interference pattern. It ba is basically, think of this as like a bunch of stripes from the wavelengths interfering with one another. Um, so it's highlighted where the waves accent each other and where they cancel out, it's darker. Um, 
Now you do that same experiment, but let's say um, this time the wall is like sticky behind it and you shoot a bunch of sand or like some BBs through the slits. Some sand slugs. And these are actually <laughs> sand BBs. You know, these are tangible <laughs> material. This is particles. So you get what's known as a clump pattern because yeah, they, you do. They, <laughs> they pass through the slits and they clump on the wall where the slits allow them to pass through. Tracking? Tracking. <laughs> or tracking. Okay. So it's the turn of the century. Scientists are playing around with electrons and they figure out their charge. They deduce their mass. They develop a way to shoot them at gold foil and get an understanding of a subatomic structure. Now, someone eventually says, hey, let's reboot the slit experiment. We'll shoot a beam of electrons at a double slit and we'll document the results, finding basically a clump pattern you know, spots because electrons are particles. So we'll find a bunch of spots on the other side. So they set up the experiment. They turn on the electron beam and it's an interference pattern. But science tells us that this pattern is what you should get for waves, not particles. How is this possible? Science was baffled by this. Physicists, they thought, okay, maybe the electrons are going through, they're bouncing around, interfering with one another, and somehow causing an interference pattern. So 1961 rolls around, and this clever fella in Germany named Klaus Johnson, he says, let's lower the voltage. We'll send them through one at a time, one electron at a time. Problem solved. We'll get the pattern we should for particles. Right? Well, wrong. Even after sending them through one at a time, they are still exhibiting an interference pattern. So let's pause here for a second. How can a single electron interfere with itself as it goes through? Oh, I interfere with myself all the time. We're getting an interference pattern and we're only letting one electron through at a time. It's interfering with itself by, by going through both slits. You know? Well, 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 which slit is the electron going through? So the clever scientists, they say, will place a detector at the opening of each slit. Now, when the electron goes through, it'll flash red at the top slit, blue at the bottom slit. We'll measure the results knowing exactly what path it took. Now, what do we think happens here? The cat is both alive and dead at the same time. Well, they found out that the moment you start paying attention or observing which slit the electron goes through, you get what you were expecting. Two blobs or a clump pattern on the other side of the slits. So if you are looking or monitoring which slit the electron uses, you get the expected double clump pattern. But if you aren't observing and it's unknowable which slit it went through, you get the interference pattern. So the electrons react to the observer, even though the observer isn't influencing them. Simply the act of observing is influencing them. Are we tracking here? Yeah, you're blowing my mind. Man. <laughs> so in 1978, John Wheeler says, hey, let's run this again. And this became known as the delayed choice double slit experiment. So he proposes that the decision to observe the particles will be made after they've gone through the slits, but before they get to the detector. So any guesses as to what happens? Whatever they expect to happen. 
If they decide... Well, things get even weirder here. They found at the moment of the decision to observe, the waves became particles. And they even made a record of themselves as traveling through the slits as particles and not waves. So by deciding to run the observed experiment, this causes the wave to become particles and this extends backward in time. Now imagine doing that over a span of light years. The electron knows not only if we're watching it, but it interferes with electrons that have gone before and will continue to go after it. Crazy for that one. This became known as the observer effect, and it can determine, as we said, the prior state of an electron. Now, this is one of the most mind-blowing, baffling questions that science is currently facing. And if you have an answer for this, all you loyal legion of listeners, there is a Nobel Prize ready for you. (laughs) Now, this also means that the model that most of us learned in school of electrons being little spheres zipping around is, is just not accurate. And as far as we know, all subatomic particles exhibit this wave particle duality. Now, back to like Schrodinger's cat, because my understanding on how some scientists theorize what's happening, and this could be wildly incorrect. So basically, subatomic particles normally take all possible paths simultaneously. Their path is described as probabilistic sum of all available paths. So this is, again, where Schrodinger's box comes into play. Although it is much more difficult to think about on a macro level, like with the cat, right? Right. So like these electrons, you know, they're waves, but then when you look at them, they're particles. It's like when observed, they don't take all paths. They just take the one observed. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So like if you know which slit it went through, the wave function collapses and it becomes particles. Uh, Now, this is the Copenhagen interpretation. This was named after a physics conference in the 20th century. Um, Now, there's also the many worlds interpretation. And that is that like reality is constantly splitting into various timelines. So in our timeline, the electron takes one path In another timeline, it takes another. If we don't pay attention, our reality includes all of them. But if we do, our reality settles on that result. And there's another timeline that breaks off where it took the other path. We tracking? If you don't take time to look around once in a while, you might miss it. Um, So, you know, if we apply this to simulation theory... It's as if the particles that make up the fabric of our existence only assume definite form when observed. So this is back to the Andy Toy Story thing? Essentially, yes. This makes no sense. This makes no (laughs) sense in the material world, and it would only make sense if, in fact, our universe is a simulation. Or that means like all parts are equal in space-time in regards to the source of the simulation. So this is like we were talking about. So like going back to the double slit thing, when they shoot it, like this is like uh, the way I saw it. And again, that was just an example we used, but it's like they shoot it out of this particle beam. It goes through the slit, hits a paper. Imagine doing that over a span of light years 
And then you choose to observe it by the time it got to Earth, and it could travel backwards in time billions of years making a record. So by you observing it in the present, it makes a record of billions of years ago. This would only be possible if, as we were saying, all parts are in are equal in space-time in regards to the source of the simulation. In other words, like all of our reality is on some hard drive somewhere. Are we comprehending or no? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> Trying not. Trying to get the gears going, man. So we got the two slits, yeah? Uh-huh. We shoot, we shoot the wave, well, particle, but it turns into a wave if we observe it, right? No, it is. It's a, all right. It's a wave. It, it is a wave until you observe it. And then it's a particle in, in this reality. But in, in a completely other reality or another simulation, we could observe it a completely different way. No, it would just be a particle that went through the top slit. Do you As see what was going through the bottom? So basically, you're saying, all right, we, sh- we shoot them through and we're not like tracking what it is. And then it's it, it a wave. Shows up as a wave because but, the particles went through both. But slits. when you put like the sensors on yes, it and are watching you it, observing yeah, it, then it's that's you perceiving it. Yes, that's you, that's you obs- knowing which path it took, so it that determines what it took. Think of it like rolling a dice. If I roll a dice in a cup and we don't ever look at it, it could be one through six. Yeah. Yeah. It could be something. It could be one through twenty. It could be something completely we don't even know. No, just one dice. It'd be all the dice. That, well, what if you have a 20-sided die? Okay, well, we don't. We have a regular six-sided <laughs> die. We're shaking it up in a, in a Yahtzee cup. Okay. It's all six numbers it's at once. It's all six numbers at once. But once I look and it's a three, it's a three. But in another reality, it could be a four. Yeah. But until I, right until I look, it is, it is all six. Okay. Is yeah. what and technically yes. No, not technically. That's what these it particles are is. doing. That's what the particles in this experiment are doing. That's why they're waves because they're taking both slits. But once we say, "Oh, it went through the bottom slit," boom, it becomes a particle. If we never look, it did go through both, and we don't have any idea which one it went through because we're not observing it. Like the effect of observing it changes its state. Like it knows you're watching. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> I always feel like somebody's so, watching me. Now, do we understand? And still I don't know no, about understand, but, <laughs> but I feel better about the I have idea, a better yeah. grasp on it, but it's still freaking me out. Okay, again, like I said, this is more easily explained with uh, pictures. And honestly, the document, the documentary called the simulation hypothesis free on Amazon prime is, is actually fucking phenomenal. It does a great job at explaining all of this. Um, but you know, let's get into some conclusions. Like what, what do you guys think are the implications if we are in a simulated reality? I think we still got to take a step back and just what is reality, man? And I loved, I loved PKD's definition and I looked at a base one earlier. It's like what we can sense with the various senses. But then it's like we got this COVID thing going around and people are losing their senses. Is that reality? Or is this the government running a simulation? Yeah. Some, uh, when I was looking up a lot of like blogs for this, a lot of them were saying that COVID is proof that we're living in a simulation. 
Hey. It's a glitch. It's an excuse for the glitch. No, but it's like the Douglas Adams quote, you know, like the fucking world is getting crazier and crazier by the minute. They needed some time to uh, upgrade the system, so you got to stay at home while they do that. No, but like, let's get serious here for a minute, guys. Like, uh, we find out unsubstantiated proof that we are in a simulation. What are the What do you guys think are the implications of that, if any? Game over, man. Yeah, for real. You think game over? Yeah. Oh yeah. In what way? Because people just do whatever the fuck they want and know that there's no consequences for the actions. But there is. No, that I think that is the consequence. The game's over. You stop playing. No, like, uh, like They're if done you running the simulation, like if you yourself found out today, like this wasn't. Reset, no, and no, then no. I not. wake up and I'm up. Oh, this is just a simulation, <laughs> bud. No, if you found out right now today, this was a simulation. Like, what would you do? Whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> <laughs> so is okay. So then, like, is the only thing keeping you from doing whatever the fuck you want that this world is real and there's consequences? I mean, yeah, I guess so. Okay, and what is whatever the fuck you want? What would you do? What would you do? I don't know. How to think? I'd honestly probably just think about it for a little bit. Teabag? Just be fucking mind blown for like a day, probably. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, no. And then I would no. start my plot to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> So the only thing <laughs> keeping you from trying to take over the world <laughs> is that the world is real? I'm kidding, dude. What do you think other people would do? Start murking people, stealing okay. shit. So you, the fuck all right, so then like. Rebooted. Because I, I was thinking a lot about this. And Have like, you ever uh, played GTA? <laughs> yes, that's, that is exactly <laughs> yeah, what I That would be a real life. Right. Like, have you guys ever just gone on a rampage in GTA? Yeah, just trying to get five stars. Is this, like, is Have you ever met somebody that played GTA and just didn't do that? Like, just They're behave like normally? Citizen. Yeah. <laughs> no. So is that the only thing keeping people from, like, murdering everybody and, like, well, being mean, horrible people? I think so. Just the people that play Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) No, I'm saying like if I found out, oh, it's a simulation, I wouldn't just immediately, oh, I'm just going to go start killing Exactly, yeah. And that's what, but a lot of people do say that. Yeah, and a lot of, like, I kept finding, especially on YouTube, a lot of the arguments were like, well, if this is a simulation, I'll just go kill everybody. Or like the kid that thought his parents were in the, like he was obsessed with the Matrix. I think he lived in Virginia and he shot both his parents with a shotgun. Jesus Christ. And then he realized like, oh, I didn't just disappear into the Matrix and I just blew my mom's head off. Like, you know, there's implications from that, but it's like uh, a lot of them I saw was like, oh, I, you know, I just start go killing people. Like, what the fuck? Like, is that, is the only thing stopping you from blowing someone's head off that you live in the real world, quote unquote. Oh, well, to some people. Yeah. You know, and I was, what think- would you do? Well, cause I was thinking about this. I was thinking a lot about this and, and, I'm thinking, and here's my I'm conclusion thinking. because Philip K. Dick, you know, at the core, like he wrote a lot about, like we said, reality. He was a deeply paranoid guy. He didn't know what reality was. St- smoked a lot of weed, huh? I don't think so. Um, but at the core of his stories, he is writing about the human condition. You know, the heart, the emotions that we're all dealing with, 
that keep us going, even if we are in some fucking nightmare police state scenario. Um, it's a deep study on finding yourself dealing with your own emotions as well as everyone you interact with. You know, it's like in the, in Blade Runner, the replicants, you know, if these other people are avatars or if they're like, um, sufficient AI, they're still sentient and they deserve to be treated as such. You know, to me, this whole simulation thing, it actually emphasizes our responsibilities to be more kind with one another in our daily lives. If we are in fact in a simulation and that shatters your own reality, keep in mind everybody else is in that simulation as well. And this might be the only simulation we'll ever know or experience. So what would you do though? That didn't answer the, I would go about living my daily life. (laughs) Just nothing changes. You'd still do the day to day. I mean, yeah, it's, I'm still in a world that it does have consequences that are tangible to me. You know, it's not going to change anything else. Hmm. At least until the guys running the simulation get bored of you being nice and they turn you into the GTA guy. But get again, <laughs> I think that's like two different types of simulations. Is somebody actively playing the game of me as an avatar or is it just a thing that's left alone to kind of incubate? Mm. But you know, a pretty boring ass game for most people. Then, yeah, but it's not. If it's not a game, this is his reality, or a simulation. In the simulation, it's your reality in the simulation. Yeah, Yeah. and that's where I'm kind of getting at. Like, okay, maybe there is really a god, and there's a heaven. Okay, very well. I still go on continuing to live my life. Um, or maybe there is no god. Okay, very well. Same rules apply. Maybe this is a simulation. Okay, still very well. Same rules still apply. It's not like my world's going to end. What if it was? (laughs) And then there would be nothing left. Um, But, you know, nonetheless, the million-dollar question remains, what's outside the simulation? Philip K. swinging dick. And there you have it, simulation theory. Do you guys have any conclusions or um, TLDL? What do we got for this one? I really liked your message, though. It hit me in the feels. Very positive. It really did. I'm being serious, man. Yeah, yeah. That's a good message to be spreading. Hey, man, I'm just hoping maybe some other people will will hear this and um, maybe feel the same. Very well. Even if you just get one person, man, that's, that's a positive impact in this simulation that we're residing in. Especially in this day and age. Or this level of the simulation, I should say. <laughs> I feel like I'm questioning everything I thought I knew. I'm being honest with you right now, too. Like, my mind just melted. Well, what kind of questions we got? And I'm honestly asking. You know, just like I thought I had an under, like a vague understanding of what simulation theory is. and It's like I, I said. I mean, at the end of the day, it is essentially a thought experiment. So you could go in, because I would go in circles on the research, but the, the, I think the double slit experiment is really the one fucking thing that like blew my mind. Granted, I didn't really understand the uh, hologram principle one. Um, and a lot of the black hole stuff is, is just actually like too scientific for me to get into. But the double slit experiment, man, what a fucking doozy. And I, and I do have a, a couple videos that kind of explain it, which I'll link in the description. Um, and yeah, on this one, I want to go ahead and cite 
scientificamerican.com. The article, Do We Live in a Simulation? Chances are 50-50 by Anil Anathasawami. Uh, interestingengineering.com. We are probably living in a simulation. Here's what you need to know about simulation theory by Donovan Alexander. Medium.com, The Haunting World of Mirrorverse by Ella Alderson. Simulationargument.com, Are You Living in a Computer Simulation by Nick Bostrom. The documentary, A Glitch in the Matrix, available to rent on Amazon Prime. And the simulation hypothesis, free on Prime and highly recommended. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. And on that one, guys, we are getting out of here. So hope you enjoyed it and be good to each other and stay safe out there, guys. And on that. If you uh, would like to hit us up, as always, podcast from outer space on the old IG. You can flip on the old simulation station and check us out on podcastfromouterspace.com. Grab some merch. We got some new stuff coming your way soon. Uh, and then as always with the email podcast from outer space at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions, something you like, something you didn't like. And, you know, as always, if you haven't already hit us with that five-star review on the, uh, app baby. Just want to take a moment to shout out our boys over at Beale racing. Check them out on YouTube. If you're allowed to be on there in this simulation, if you're on TikTok, make sure you follow my boy, Mr. Bauer 27. Shout out to all of you for tuning in and nerding out with us. Please go do some independent research and share your findings with us. I'll, I want to hear some thoughts on this one because this is a mind blow. Try and do a little good out there in the world. Thank your mail carriers. And on that note, so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> <laughs>